Welcome to the Lost Then Found Podcast. This is a space where we discuss life, share truth, and gain an encouraging perspective, no matter our season or our circumstance. I am your host, China Vogel, and this is a peek into my personal journey of being lost then found. Lost Then Found Podcast. I'm China, and I am so excited to jump into our topic today with you. So we're continuing our series. This is my testimony. This is part five, and we're actually going to open up with a passage out of 2 Corinthians. So it's 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and it says, But he, as in God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses so that way Christ's power may rest on me. And friends, I don't know if you know what it's like to feel weak, but it's not fun. (laughs) It is not fun. I repeat, it is not fun. Um, And I just had this last night. So something cool about parenting that I guess I just didn't realize till we got here was how we each have kind of our own signature things that we do with our children, right? So for me, it might look like how Zella and I do butterfly kisses with each other where you like bat your eyelashes on someone. Um, And Justin likes to slide down the stairs with the girls on his lap, like making like a train. And we have we each have tons of those, right? That it's our signature move. And so tonight we're getting ready uh, to settle the girls for bed. And Zella asked me to fly her to her bed. And now, friends, this is not my signature move. This is Daddy's signature move. So after a moment of debating, I was kind of like, you know what? I can, I can do this, right? And so I said, okay. So I hoisted her up the best replication of what Justin does. And friends, it surprised me how much upper body strength it takes to hold a 40 pound three-year-old in the way that my husband does when he does this plane. Like it made me feel so weak. (laughs) I could barely hold her the way that he does, let alone like hold her and move and fly her with pizzazz to her bed. But I was committed, like I had said yes. So I did my best, got her to her bed, and as soon as she hit her mattress, she's like, no, mommy, that isn't it. No, mommy, that I need you to do it like daddy. No, mommy, an airplane. <laughs> like, clearly you didn't just do an airplane. And luckily she was graceful in the end once I explained, no, well, that's what daddy does. Uh, that daddy does the airplane best, doesn't he? He does, right? But it left me feeling a little weak. And friends, uh, feeling weak is not fun. I know I'm not the only one in this, that when we feel our lack, we feel insufficient, we feel broken, um, and it feels good. Like we are competent, capable, and successful, and in contrast to that, when we are strong, when we have it together. But 2 Corinthians 12.9 is a verse that I'm learning to lean on and to lean into with my weakness. So we're going to read it again. So 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But he said to me, 
my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest in me. And friends, I have a lot of weakness. (laughs) I'm sure you can relate. Uh, It's not like anyone's keeping track, like I know that. But to illustrate my point, I'm going to share a few of those with you. So in episode zero, I actually mentioned that I'm musical and I actually get the privilege to lead worship at our church on the weekends. And as a child growing up, I actually came from a pretty talented family when it came to music. And reality was I actually have a sister that's older than I am who was amazing, like um, just sang like a bird. (laughs) Uh, and if anyone was going to do something like we all recognize that, like if anyone's going to do anything with this, like it's going to be her. And in my head it was like, well, it's definitely not going to be me. Um, and I could sing, but in comparison, it just, you know, comparison has a way of making our stuff seem a little small, doesn't it? But God, (laughs) Oh, friends, but God, he chooses the lowly things and he chooses the things that don't make sense to the world. So 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards and not many were influential. Not many were noble of birth. But God chose (laughs) The foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. And friends, but God, but God uses me now on a weekly basis in that, something that if you would have asked me as a teenager, as a um or an older child, like, I would have been like, no, 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 it's going to be, it's going to be my other sister here. But God, you know, and another part uh, from my childhood is that I always felt like I was a black sheep. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. I was kind of an odd duck in my family. Like, I was a part of it, but I always felt like I kind of didn't fit. Um, and to be honest, that was a struggle that I've had for a very long time from that, where it's been hard for me to overcome the thought that people liked me and actually wanted me around, um, even if I'm different, right? But God, once again, but God, he has a way of, of using the things that don't make sense, right? But God, not only did he give me a place where now I get to use my gifts and I have purpose, but he put me in family and he gave me a place where I had found a place where I belonged. In Psalm 69, man, I just, I cling to this verse that uh, Psalm 69, five through six, it says, God is a father to the fatherless and he's a defender of widows. That is God in his holy dwelling place. God sets the lonely in families. And friends, he did that for me. And I love my family. I'm still connected to a number of them. Um, 
But friends, there's a, it's a different thing when you find a place where you know that you belong, right? And so, you know, singing was one of those things, like I said, me feeling maybe like an odd duck in my family. Um, or maybe you're, you're like me in this where, um, maybe you don't feel smart. That is another thing that, uh, I struggled with and that the enemy really tried to work hard on. Um, and for me that has shown up in different areas throughout my life. But one area that I actually was reminded of last week was how I used to feel that way reading the Bible, especially when I was kind of just learning like, okay, how do I make this a discipline? How do I do this on a daily basis? And I would read. It's not that I wouldn't show up. Like I'd show up, I'd sit down, I'd read, and I just would not get it. <laughs> oh man. Like I felt everyone else had a piece to the puzzle that somehow I didn't get in my like starter package. <laughs> and like I was deficit. Like I had a deficit. But God was so good to work in my weakness there. And friends, if you feel this, if you know what I'm talking about, this is a bit of a side note, but if you struggle to read the Bible and feel like, man, I'm not getting it, I'm not comprehending it, I just have a few like tips that helped me. First off, try a different translation. I mean, pick one that's trustworthy and reliable, but maybe pick uh, a translation that's a little easier to understand. And then I would recommend getting a study Bible. Like a study Bible does just that. It helps you study the Bible. <laughs> and that's how we understand it, right? Like scripture says, um, it's almost like we're mining for gold, right? Like that when we seek it out as a treasure, that we we find it. And so us unpacking that and trying to understand, well, what, what was the writer meaning there or uh, yeah, what, what, what's the context to the, that story there? That's when the power of the Holy Spirit actually kind of kicks in and God can reveal and speak to you. And uh, friends, there was a turning point for me where God just showed himself faithful in that, that he was going to meet me. You know, scripture says that when we draw close to him, that he will draw close to us. That's James 4, 8. And that is a that's a promise. And it's one I have personally found to be true. And so friends, the list goes on and on for me, as I'm sure it does for you. And like I said, my point in bringing all this up was actually just to illustrate a point. So whether your list overlaps with mine or might be completely different, regardless, we all have things in our lives that we feel like we're marked by that mark out and like display our inadequacy or our shortcoming or our weakness or where uh, I don't feel like a much there. <laughs> and, and this was the case for another story that we're actually going to dig into today. And that is the story of David. And you've probably heard of him. He's one of the most well-known people from the Bible. He was the King of Israel uh, scripture says he was a man after God's own heart. And this is the David that's from the famous David and Goliath story. So some important backstory about David is that David, first off, he's the youngest of eight sons. Uh, his father was Jesse and he was literally the last line. Like he was the youngest. <laughs> 
and seemingly was the least likely to be used for anything important beyond tending to sheep. But God, right? God sent Samuel, who was a prophet at the time, to come and anoint the next king of Israel. Now, Samuel didn't know who who this was. He just heard God say, hey, go, go to Jesse's house, and I'll tell you who it is. And that's where we're picking up that thread of the storyline in 1 Samuel 16, 10 through 13. So 1 Samuel 16, 10 through 13 says, Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel told him, The Lord has not chosen any of these. So Samuel asked him, Are these all of the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's tending to the sheep. Send for him, Samuel replied, for we will not sit down to eat until he arrives. Like, David wasn't even invited to the party. (laughs) But they called for him, and Jesse sent for David and brought him in. He was ruddy, with beautiful eyes, and he was handsome in appearance. And the Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Oh man, that's so cool. And anointing, so if you're not familiar with that term, that actually means to consecrate or to make sacred in a ceremony that uses a token of applying oil. And it can also mean to dedicate someone to the service of God, which is what we're talking about here. Because David was being anointed, was being dedicated to the service of God. And that anointing means that that person was not only responsible and accountable for the task that they were anointed to do, but it also means that God was empowering them to accomplish his tasks. Hence why it talks about his spirit coming on David and that he was upon him the rest of his days, right? So it's a pretty big deal that David, this small shepherd boy, the lowly and least of Jesse's sons was chosen to be the king of God's people. So chapter 16, David's anointed. And then by the next chapter, so chapter 17 in 1 Samuel, David is showing up on the battlefield. And what's going on is the Philistine army has come up against the Israelites. They're angry. They are harassing the Israelites. And the Philistines are ready to overtake them in battle. And another thing, another part of our storyline here is that this is where we meet Goliath. <laughs> First Samuel 17, 4 through 8 says, Then a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. He was six cubits and a span in height, and he had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a bronze coat of mail, weighing 5,000 shekels. And he had armor of bronze on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. In addition, his shield bearer went before him and Goliath stood there. So verse eight, it says Goliath stood there and he shouted at the ranks of Israel. 
Why do you come out and array yourselves for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose one of your men and have him come down against me. If he is able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and labor for us. So this is an important deal, right? We're talking about being overtaken by your enemy and being forced into slavery. And guys, Goliath is huge. (laughs) So he's a giant by our standards. And he stood there and he mocked the Israelites and he taunted them. And he did this for 40 days until David showed up. And David, who was showing up not even to come and participate, but he was actually showing up because his father, Jesse, sent him to bring food to his brothers. And that's uh, where we're going to dive back into our story at 1 Samuel 17, verse 40. It says, so David took off his staff in his hand, and he selected five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in his shepherd's bag. And with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Now the Philistine came closer and closer to David with his shield bearer before him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he despised him because he was just a boy, because he was ready and because he was handsome. Am I a dog? He said to David, that you come at me with sticks And then he proceeded to curse David by his gods and said, come here, he called to David, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. But David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. This day, I will strike you down. I will cut off your head and I will give the carcasses of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the creatures of the earth. Then the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel and all those assembled here will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Pretty bold statement for a little little boy. <laughs> so we go on in verse 48. It says, As the Philistines started forward to attack David, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet him. Then David reached into his bag. He took out a stone, and he slung it, striking the Philistine in the forehead. And that stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. And thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck the Philistine down and he killed him. David ran and stood over him. He grabbed the Philistine's sword, pulled it from its sheath, and he killed him. And he cut his head off with the exact same sword. When the Philistines saw this, that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Pretty awesome story. Crazy to think about. And friends, I heard a worship pastor say this week, so it's actually Jonathan Helser. If you listen to um, more modern worship, I would guarantee that you've heard 
one of his songs before. Um, but I'm listening to to him and his wife teach, and I heard him say something this past week that just got my wheels spinning. And he said that a lot of times a Goliath will show up after we've been anointed for greatness. I'll say that again. He said that a lot of times a Goliath will show up after we have been anointed for greatness. And friend, we aren't much different than David. I know it can feel that way because we're talking about a king here. <laughs> we're talking about uh, one of the greatest, uh, one of my personal favorite people in the Bible. So how are we like him? Well, David was chosen by God for great things. David had so much potential hidden inside of him and him rising up and defeating Goliath. That was a necessary major victory for him to have in order for him to step into all that God had destined for him to be, for him to be king, for him to be a warrior that would lead the Israelites to many victories, for him to be a worshiper, the kind that would be after God's heart. All of that David was able to step into because he took over Goliath and defeated him. And so, friend, today, (laughs) the truth is, is that God has anointed you, and He has chosen you, and He's chosen you for important work as well. And it may look different than what David's was, but it doesn't change the fact that God has hidden important things for you to do. He's hidden these things away in you to be discovered. And so for David, he was a simple shepherd boy. He had been out in a field taking care of sheep most of his life, protecting sheep from lions and bears day in and day out. And that probably could have seemed small, uh, but all of those small victories, all of the taking care of the sheep, defending the sheep, all of those victories had prepared David for this exact battle for the battle uh, against Goliath. And that preparation out back was all unto this moment. 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, accounts David talking to King Saul right before he goes out on the battlefield to face Goliath. And King Saul's warning him. He said, hey, this is not a good idea. (laughs) You should not be doing this. And ultimately, David replied, Your servant has been tending to his father's sheep. And whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it. I struck it down and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur and strike it down and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. My favorite part, David added, the Lord who delivered me from the claws of the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. The Lord who delivered me then will deliver me now. Friend, the same goes for you. Your small battles are not for nothing. These small, insignificant moments are training ground that when they turn into small victories are preparing you to conquer a Goliath. 
So friends, I'm going to leave you with four questions to ask yourself this week, to ask yourself or to ask God. So number one, where are you destined for greatness? If you think about everything that's in your heart, is there anywhere that you just know, you know and you're knower <laughs> that God made me for this thing? If you have that, first off, that's awesome. Second off, write it down. Remind yourself often of what God has deposited in you, what you're aware of. Because if you heard the Lord and he spoke this into you or you know that, you need to be reminding yourself so you don't forget when Goliath shows up. And friends, Goliath will show up. Remember, he isn't playing games. No, Goliath is out for death and he's out for blood. Goliath wants to conquer you and rule over you. So you getting distracted is a part of that attack. So you need to keep your eyes on what the Lord has spoken so you don't fall prey to that distraction. Remind yourself often. So where are you destined for greatness? And as a dovetail question to that, which I think lead us a lot to the same answers, is where do you feel weak? Now, that doesn't seem like those two things go together. But where do you feel like you have a Goliath that's already taunting you? Maybe he just showed up or maybe he's been at it for years. But you know that there's a Goliath there and he's out to eat your lunch. Where is that weak spot or weak spots plural? So maybe it's your mothering. You feel weak. You feel tired. You feel angry. You feel exhausted. And you really aren't sure how you're going to do this another day. Despite how much you love your family, you know, all the good reasons why. But you just don't know if you've got it left in you. And maybe it's in advancement in an area in your life. You see, everyone, seemingly everyone else around you is getting promoted. They're getting a pat on the back. And you're just over here in your corner <laughs> trying to do your best. But feeling like, man, I must be have a deficiency somehow because no one seems to see or to recognize me. And maybe it's in what you say. Maybe it's in what comes out of your mouth or what doesn't come out of your mouth. Maybe you talk a little bit too much to other people about your issues that you really shouldn't be if we're being honest. And maybe you're not having enough conversation with God about it through prayer instead. Maybe you feel weak in one of these areas or maybe it's a different one altogether. But friend, you need to identify where you feel weak right now. Because if you are weak, there is an opportunity. So say it with me. <laughs> my weakness is his opportunity. Say my weakness is God's opportunity. Friend, his power and his grace are available to you. And maybe just maybe the things where you have been anointed and called the things that the Lord has said, no, I am going to anoint you there. 
Those might be your very weak spots. It might not be the stuff that seems like, well, I'm kind of, man, I've got it together there. No, maybe in those weak spots is what God is calling out of you, what he's trying to develop through that weakness, because it might be where he's destined you for greatness. So where do you feel weak? Number three, what has the enemy tried to label me as? And friends, we're just going to cut right through here. The enemy would want you to think that you're a failure. The enemy would want you to amount to nothing good. He is not for you. (laughs) And the enemy is, is a lot like that Goliath. He's sitting there and he's taunting you. He wants you to think you're incompetent, that you're insufficient, that you're lacking something that everyone else seems to have innately. But these are lies. And friend, it's a lie from the pit of hell. So you need to be asking yourself, what has the enemy tried to label me as? And as a follow-up, an equally important part of this is not only identifying what the enemy is saying about you, but you need to know what to say back. And friends, the Lord is on this right now. You have all authority because you are a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ. You have all authority to tell those lies where they can go. (laughs) Just like David did. So in verse 45, David comes out. He's being mocked and ridiculed by his enemy, who seems very large. From the outside, it seems like this is a pretty clear how this is going to go, and it's not going to go in David's favor. But instead, David knows who his God is, and he knows what, what God has called him to do. So verse 45, it says, But David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Friend, you need to start taking the authority that's been given to you. And you may feel weak, you may feel powerless, but the reality is his power is made perfect in your weakness. His grace is sufficient for you. And Jesus already bought and paid for all the, all the strength and all the um, authority that you'll ever need because <laughs> he holds it all. When Jesus rose from the grave, he, he took all authority that he sits on the throne, that there's no one else beside him, no one else like him, that he holds the earth in his hand. And everything that goes on there, the Lord is in control of. And he has authority over. So friend, you need to speak out, speak out loud against those lies. As often as they come up, you speak out against them. Call Satan what he is, that he's a liar, that he's a thief, and let him know that his time 
is up. (laughs) So, number one, where are you destined for greatness? Where has God already revealed that to you? Where do you feel weak? Number two, that could be an area that the Lord's wanting to develop into greatness in you. Number three, what has the enemy tried to label me as? And number four, what is one step that you can take towards winning a small battle this week? What is ground that you can take? Even if it's microscopic, what ground can you take this week? Maybe that's getting up earlier to spend time with Jesus instead of sleeping sleeping in even 20 minutes. You get up early so that way your cup gets filled up so you have something to give your family when you, when they all get up and start needing things from you. Maybe it's going for a 10-minute walk each day and focusing your heart on being grateful and fixing your eyes on Jesus. That, that could be so good for your physical health and for your emotional health. Maybe it's buying a planner. Friends, I did this this week. I bought a physical planner this week because we can take control of our schedule so it isn't controlling us. And friends, this isn't about perfection. It's it's about showing up, right? It's about you showing up, covering it in prayer, and getting intentional and tactical about these areas. And you doing that will start producing fruit in your life. Like I'm walking in fruit right now because of things that weeks ago, months ago, years ago, that I started being intentional about. So whatever the ground is, just know, no ground is too small. Because even with David, each victory, each lion, each bear, no matter how big or how small, that was equipping him all the same. So... What's one step that you can take this week towards winning or taking some ground? Winning a battle or taking some ground? And number five, the final question that you need to ask God. And that's, God, will you show me what 2 Corinthians 12, 9 looks like in my life? Friends, we need to be praying through that daily, hourly, however often you need to write it down, make it your phone background, which if you go check out my socials, I'm going to be posting like four or five, six different phone backgrounds. So if that's something you're interested in, I whipped a few up, but one way or the other, you need to be, have it in front of you and you need to be praying this or something along these lines like, God, would you show me how your grace is enough for me? I can't do this without you. Lord, I'm not enough. And I don't want to try and do this without you. Lord, would you come and show me your power? Would you work in me and through me in a way that only you can? Friends, just bringing that, making that passage of scripture, a prayer back to God for him to reveal all of his grace and all of his power to you. By doing that, it's going to help you keep it in front of you. And I promise you, it's going to invite the Lord in to start revealing things to you, to start moving. 
And so, friend, God is with you. He is for you. He will go before you, and His grace and His power is alive in you. We become great only by leaning into His strength and our weakness. So once again, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, boast all the more gladly about your weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on you. Friend, take those small wins. Lean on his power, lean into his grace, and small victory by victory you will take ground, and eventually you will find yourself slaying a Goliath, and you will step into all that God has anointed you for. God, we make that our prayer. Lord, that your power would be revealed through us, in us. Lord, show me how your grace is enough, no matter how deep my weakness is. Lord, I need you. I don't want to do this without you. So Lord, would you come? Would you work through me? Would you work in me? Lord, not only so I can take uh, ground to be winning victories and to be slaying Goliath in front of me. But God, this is unto your glory. It's unto your name that you would be glorified in my life. Even in my weakness, that you would be lifted high. Lord, that I don't boast in my own strength, but I say, no, I am weak, but the Lord is strong. And here's how he showed me. God, I thank you that this can become our testimony. And I pray that you would be speaking and moving in people even now. Even now. So, Lord, we love you. It's all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, so glad that you chose to spend some time with me today. I would encourage you, if this speaks to you, share it with a friend, and we will see you next week.